This is KMTT and the weekly Pashat HaShavua Shir. This year, Tavshin Ayn, it will be given by Harav Chanoch Vaxman. This week, Pashat Lech Lecha, I would like to discuss the story of Avram and Sarai's sojourn in Egypt. The story begins somewhere into Perakud Bet in Parashat Lechacha, and the Torah tells us as follows. Vayira av ba'aretz, and there was a famine in the land. Vayirat Avram Mitzrayma. Avram descended to the land of Egypt. Lagorsham to dwell there. Kikaved av ba'aretz, because the famine was very heavy in the land. Torah continues. Vayikasher hikriv lavo Mitzrayma. And when they came close to Egypt, Vayomer el Sarai ishto. And Avram said to Sarai, his wife, Hinei adati, behold I know, kishayifat mara'at, that you are a very beautiful woman. Avram continues on. When the Egyptians will see you, they'll say, this is his wife. And they'll kill me. And they will keep, keep you alive. Then Avram continues on with his request, his plan, how to avoid this scenario of his possible death and the sparing of only Sarai. And Avram says as follows in Perakibet Pasiud Yemo. Imrina Achotiat. Please say you are my sister. So that it will be good to me or for me for your sake. And I will be kept alive because of you. And apparently, Sarai acquiesces, and this is the plan. Upon arriving in Egypt, Avram and Sarai state that Sarai is in fact his sister, not his wife. Of course, whether this is the plan or this is not the plan, it's not particularly clear. Um, the Egyptians notice the great beauty of Sarai. She is taken as a wife of Paro, and things seem headed for absolute disaster until the divine intervention later on in the story. Later on in the story, in Pasuk Zion, we are told, God afflicted Paro with great afflictions. Somehow or another, Paro figures things out. Power calls in Avraham, Power ex- gives back Sarai to Avraham, and Power expels Avraham and Sarai from Egypt. Now, there are many questions that can be raised regarding this story, um, but I would like to focus, to some extent, on the classic question uh, connected to Peregibet Pasuk Gimel, Imrina Achotiat. Imrina Achotiat, say you are my sister, Lamani Tavli Va'avurech, so it will be good for me, due to your sake, here, because of fear for his own life, the concern that he will be killed and Sarai will be kept alive and taken, Avraham requests of Sarai and effectively creates a situation where both Avraham and Sarai, achotiat, or achoti, that she is, she is my sister. And, of course, things don't work out particularly well, but the question must be asked, how do we evaluate Avraham's behavior vis-a-vis Sarai. And here I'm not so much concerned with perhaps the the technical question of truth or, or falsity, truth and untruth, emet v'sheker. Is Sarai, in fact, Abraham's sister? Is she some sort of clan member of Abraham? Is it legitimate to say achotiat? Um, can one tell something or say something which is not precisely or exactly true in the case of need? Well, those are certainly good and important questions. But I'm interested in the deeper question. What does it mean that Avram says regarding his wife, Achotiat, and is willing to hand her over to the Egyptians 
in order to spare himself. What does that mean about his relationship with his wife? And how do we evaluate the moral stature of Avram in this context where he's willing to sacrifice his wife to save his own life? Now, of course, I am not the, the first uh, to raise this question. And, and there are different opinions in the Mepharshim as to how to read, how to interpret um, Avram's treatment of Sarai in this story. Um, but I would like to follow here a particular strand of thought, a certain thread, uh, which was emphasized most prominently by Ramban, and it leads to a certain direction as to how to read the entire story of Avram and Sarai's sojourn in the land of Egypt. Um, I will quote you Ramban here in Parakibet Pasuk Yud. And Ramban says as follows. Veda and no, ki Avram avinu chatachet gadol bishkaga. Avram sinned a very great sin, bishkaga, accidentally. Shehivi ishto hatzadeket, that he brought his righteous wife b'mikshol avon, in the stumbling block of sin, mipnei pachto, because of his fear, penyaharguhu, perhaps he would be killed. So, Ramban says that we should evaluate Avram's behavior vis-a-vis Sarai in a negative fashion. Avram here sinned a very great sin in bringing his wife, albeit accidentally, to the possible sin of Eshadish. She is a married woman um, and uh, adultery. She is a married woman and she is going to wind up being with Paro, um, possibly being forced to engage in relations with Paro. So, Avraham has caused his wife to be in a very, very difficult uh, situation. And this is a great sin on Avraham's part, according to Ramban. Now, what is the, the cause of Avraham's sin? Well, it's Bishogeg, it's accidental. Avraham, of course, doesn't really expect that Sarai is going to be taken to power or be taken by another man. Perhaps, as Abrahamel points out, Avraham thinks that by saying he's the brother... This will give him bargaining time. Uh, they'll have to pay the bride price before they can take Sarai as, as a wife. And since he'll have bargaining time, then he might be able to pay a bribe, he might be able to escape, he might be able to run away. And Avram doesn't expect any of this to happen, so of course, on some level, it's, it's bishogeg. Um, or, alternatively, it's out of fear. It's pachad. And it's this gripping fear that on some level might be thought of as a mitigating factor in Avram's sin. Um, that renders it no more than shogeg, no more than accident. Um, but Ramban goes on and takes exactly this point to task. And Ramban says as follows, um, Because of his fear lest they kill him, And Avram should have had faith in God, that God could save him and his wife and everything that belonged to him. Because God has the power to help and to save. So Ramban goes on to point out that the root of Avraham's chait, of his problematic moral behavior uh, vis-a-vis Sarai, or uh, to be more precise, uh, the problem in the relationship between Avram and Sarai here, it is rooted in Avram's lack of emunah, in his fear. He did not have faith that God could save him, Therefore, he was concerned about his possible death. Therefore, he went down the slippery soap and wound up handing Sarai over to the Egyptians and placed her in the possible situation of adultery. Uh, effectively, Ramban tells us that the story of Avram and Sarai's time, the story of Avram's descent to Egypt, is primarily a story of chait, the chait of Avraham. Now, 
This might sound uh, a bit extreme, um, but if we think about it, uh, there is a sense or an aspect of the text which may well seem to support, uh, or two aspects of the text, um, which may well seem to support Ramban's interpretation, which I would like to cite uh, at this point. Um, quite interestingly, let us go back to the language of Avraham's original proposal to Sarai, to the language of Avraham's plan. Perak Yudbet Pasuk Yudgimel says as follows, Imri na achotiat, please say you're my sister, so that it will be good for me due to you, and I will stay alive. Now, the simple reading uh, of this pasuk, a pasuk gimel, of the latter part of it, is that of parallelism. The first clause, and stand in parallel, and they are meant to be synonyms. When Avram says, it will be good for me, he's referring to the fact that he will be able to stay alive. The plan of saying that Sarai is his sister will allow Avram to stay alive. That is the synonym that comes to explain what Avram means by Yitavli, be good for me. And that is, I think, the simple reading of the plan. But when we come to the event itself, interestingly, the Torah uses a very similar language to discuss uh, uh, the events themselves. A bit later on in Perekid Bet, Pasuk Tetzayin, the Torah tells us as follows. After Sarai has taken to the house of Paro, a very key and important sentence. Ula Avraham hetiv ba'avura, and it was very good, the same word as yitavli in the plan, it was very good because of her, the exact same, two same words. Yitavli ba'avurech, hetiv ba'avura. Same two words. And what was the content of that which was good for Avraham? Ula Avraham hetiv ba'avura, ve'ilotzon, uvakar, ve'chamorim, ve'avadim, u'shvachot, Vatanot Ugmalim, and Abraham had sheep and cattle and donkeys and servants and female servants and other stuff and camels. But the Pasuk ends here. What does he not have? He does not have his wife. So it was very, very good for him. But maybe it was too good for him. He got a lot of stuff. And he got this stuff in exchange for his wife. In using the language of Hetiv Ba'avura, the Torah undercuts Abraham's plan. And it tells us in an ironic fashion that it's been very good for Abraham. Effectively, he has lots of stuff, but he doesn't have his wife. What he's done is, unwittingly perhaps, but he sold his wife. And I think in this parallel, in this connection, in rendering the tova that Avram expected as effectively a sale of his wife, certainly the Torah is telling us that something has gone radically wrong here. It's undercutting Avram's moral stature in this story. And that's one point of support for Ramban here in the Parsha. Another. How does the story end? Perak Yudbet, Pasuk Yudchet, tells us as follows. Vayikra Paro Avraham. Paro called in Avraham. Vayomer, Mazot Asitali. What have you done to me? Lamalui Kadiliki Ishtachahi. Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? I mean, I would have never done this if I thought she was your wife. Lama Amarta Achotihi. Why did you say that she was your sister? Vayikach Otali Isha. I took her for me as a wife. Take your wife, get up and leave. Paro throws him out. So Paro calls in Avraham. He rebukes him. He gives him moral reproof. And then simply put, he throws him out of the room. He throws him out of the land. Does Avraham have a response? Does Avraham have an answer? No, Avraham is silent in the face of Paro's moral rebuke. Undoubtedly, if one is rebuked, given reproof, by someone of the moral stature of Paro, 
and one doesn't even have an answer, that shows you that apparently in this context, Paro has the moral upper hand, shocking as it may seem. And if so, again, the fact that Avraham is not depicted as morally superior to Paro in this case is another indicator that the text of the Torah is perhaps supporting Ramban's sin, Ramban's descent of Avraham reading of this story. And I think there are other proofs, but I think this is enough. I think we can well support Ramban's interpretation of Chait, both from the ironic undercutting of Avraham's plan, the effective sale of Sarai, and as well um, the moral superiority of Paro in the story. Now, what are we to make of this? Uh, after all, this is certainly problematic to view the story of Avram and Sarai's descent uh, to Mitzrayim as, as a chet, to view Avram as a chotah. What are we to make of this? Well, I certainly would like to deal with this question, but before getting to it, I would like to perhaps pile on uh, a little bit more because uh, Ramban is not finished with rendering our story of the sojourn in Egypt as a story of Chait. Uh, Ramban has another aspect that he wants to add. And in fact, this other aspect is already present in Rashi. So I'll begin with, with Rashi. Rashi, on the first Pasuk of our story, Perkibet Pasuk Yud, Vahi Ra'av Ba'aretz, Rashi comments as follows. Ra'av Ba'aretz, famous Rashi, Bota Aretz Levada, in that land alone, Linasoto, to test Avraham, Im Yahaher Achar Baruch if he will wonder or be uncertain regarding the words of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, She'amar lo lelechat al-Eretz Kenan, because he told him to go to the land of Kenan, v'achshav masi'o latayt mimena, and now he is seducing him, or he seduces him to leave it. In other words, Rashi says as follows, that God brings the ra'av, vahi ra'av ba'aretz, let us be medayek, let us infer that the famine is only in the land of Kenan. And the purpose of the local famine, of the famine only in the land of Kenan, is to test Avraham, because in the previous part of the Torah, God told Avraham, lech Go to a particular land. Avram comes to the land of Canaan, and in Pasuk Zion, Vayira Hashem Perikibet Pasuk Zion, Vayira Hashem al Avraham. When Avram comes to the land of Canaan, God appears to him and says, Vayomer lezaracha etenat aretz azot. I will give them this land. So this is the place. Vayiven Shem Mizbeach l'Shem Hanira Elav. And Avram built a Mizbeach to the God that appeared to him in thanksgiving. So everything is wonderful. God said, Lechacha to a particular land. Avram comes to the land. God appears to him and says, This is the place. Avram built the Mizbeach, etc., etc. And then, Rashi says, God brings a Ra'av. God brings a famine uh, in that land. To kind of raise a question mark in Abraham's mind whether this is really all right. He tests him. Will he stay in the land or will he leave the land? And there Rashi's comment stops. But the answer is obvious. If Abraham leaves the land when the test was to see if he will stay in the land, then obviously Abraham fails the test. And this is also Ramban's interpretation of our story of descent to Egypt. Ramban says, So too, Abraham's exit from the land, that he was commanded uh, on it from the beginning. Mipnei hara'av, because of the famine. Avon asher chata. This is a sin that he sinned. Shenitztava alav b'tchila. Mipnei hara'av. Avon asher chata. 
This land, this leaving of the land that Avram left when they be commanded to go to it originally, because of the famine, Avon Shechata. This was a sin that he sinned. Because God, in a famine, can save one from death. So Ramban and Rashi tell us that there is another chait that Avraham sinned here. The very fact that he left the land when he'd be commanded to go there originally, this is also a, a sin. And um, the idea here is, is that there isn't just a, a sin on the moral plane vis-a-vis uh, Sarai, but there's also a, a sin perhaps on the theological plane. And the common denominator of both of those these the sins is that they originate in a kind of, of lack of emunah, a lack of faith, or an insufficient faith on Avram's part in God. Um, God does not, Avram does not have sufficient emunah to believe at this point that God can save him from the famine, he leaves the land. God does not have sufficient emunah to believe that God can protect him, and he descends the moral slippery slope in his behavior vis-a-vis Sarai in saying, achoti at, achoti he, and eventually brings Sarai to a very, very difficult situation. And this is the interpretation of Rashi and Ramban of our story. Now, we might say, uh, to think about this metaphorically uh, on some plane, is when the story begins with Vayi Ra'av Ba'aretz, and there was a famine in the land, Vayered Avraham Mitzrayma, Avram descended to the land of Egypt, the descent here is not just physical, southwards in the direction of Egypt, to the low place of Egypt, but it is also a spiritual descent, a true Yerida, a kind of descent to the deepest possible place that Abraham can reach, whether it be vis-a-vis God, whether it be vis-a-vis his own morality, whether it be vis-a-vis his wife. This is a true story of Yerida, of descent to a very, very dark place. Now, before trying to resolve this and perhaps move over to a more overarching interpretation of the story, uh, I would like to kind of add an extra point to Rashi and Ramban's claim uh, about Avram leaving the land. One of the interesting features of the beginning of Perak Yibet, the story of Lech Lecha, is that Avram is not depicted as, as alone. When Avram uh, leaves Haran, we're told as follows in Perak Yibet Pasakei, Ve'ikach Avram et Sarai ishto ve'et lot benachiv ve'et koruchu sham asher rachashu ve'et hanefesh asher asu b'charan so Avram took his relatives, his stuff, everything he had, and all of the all of the nefesh that he had made, literally in Haran, and he goes to Canaan. And he comes to Canaan, and he comes to a certain place, he finds out Canaan is the place, and he builds him his back, and he calls it in the name of Hashem. And you see Avram as part of this larger project, the nefesh asher Haran. Is it the group surrounding Avram? Are they converts per se? But certainly Avram has some sort of entourage, that's symbolic of Avram's mission. And Avram comes with his entourage to the land of Canaan, and he builds the Mizbeach, and he calls out in the name of Hashem. And then suddenly the famine comes, and he goes to Egypt. And when he comes to Egypt, there's no mention of a nefesh asher asu. There's no entourage. There's no Mizbeach. There's no calling out in the name of Hashem. And we could take Rashi and Ramban to an even further place, that maybe this is not just about sin and descent, but maybe Abraham thinks, well, if there's a famine, maybe God has changed his mind. Maybe I misinterpreted God's words. Maybe I didn't really understand. Maybe, maybe there, it wasn't revelation. 
Perhaps when Avram descends to Egypt, it isn't just descent of sin, of lack of Unah, but it's maybe even something more extreme. It's an abandonment of the entire project. It's a movement away from the entire project. There is no entourage. There is no Mizbeach. There is no Kriya B'Shem Hashem. It's truly the story of the descent of Avraham. Now, if this reading is correct, and especially the extreme version of it that I currently suggested, we're certainly left with uh, the problem of how it is all resolved. Uh, and I would like to approach this by, by taking uh, the word chet as perhaps our, our key marker. Often, when we talk about a story of chet, a story of sin in the Chumash, uh, we certainly expect there to be uh, another uh, part uh, or another side to the, to the story of chet. And often, that other side is, is onish. Um, where there is sin, there is punishment, and chet generates onish. And in fact, here rather consistently, this is how Ramban understands uh, our story of Perakirbet, the descent to Egypt. At the end of the little comment of Ramban that I've been working on, here in Perakirbet Pasikyud, Ramban says as follows, And upon this action of Abraham, this descent to Egypt, it was decreed upon his children, the exile in Egypt, Biyad, Paro, in the hand of Paro. And then Ramban quotes a pasuk in Kohelet, B'makom ha-mishpat, shama v'achet. In the place of judgment, where there is judgment later on against the descendants of Abraham, that at Brit ben Habitarim, they receive uh, the decree of Galut in Mitzrayim at the hand of Paro, where that judgment is visited upon Avram's descendants, shama ha-resha v'achet. This is where the evil doing and the sin took place. So Ramban locates uh, the sin that causes the decree of exile in Egypt here in this story. It's Avram's leaving of the land, Avram's treatment of Sarai. This is the cause, eventually, for the suffering of his children as decreed in Brit Bein Habitarim. This is a story of chet va'onish, of sin and effectively punishment, albeit later on, according to Ramban. However, I would like to suggest an alternative, something, something quite different. Um, and this has to do with where we normally view the story of Avram's sojourn in Egypt as ending. Uh, let us pick it up in Parakibet, Pasakitet, uh, in the segment where uh, Paro gives reproof uh, to Avraham. And after rebuking uh, Avraham, uh, uh, the Torah tells us as follows. Um, Paro commanded men upon uh, Avraham. And he sent him, Avram, and his wife, and he sent them out. So Avram, so basically, Paro says to Avram, Here is your wife, go and take her and leave. And then, Paro commands men upon him, and he throws him out. End of story. However, uh, and this is the end of, of Parakud Bet. This is Parakud Bet, Pasuk Kaf. However, as we go on, um, the Torah tells us the following in Parakud Gimel, Pasuk Aleph. Next story. Vayal Avram Mitzrayim. Avram went up from Mitzrayim. Hu ishto velot imo hanegba. He, his wife, uh, everything he had, lot with him to the Negev, to the southern area of Eretz Yisrael. Um, skipping a pasuk here, pasuk gimel. 
and Avram journeyed upon his journeys, mi negev ad Beit El, from the Negev until Beit El, ad makom hashayasham ahalo batchila, to the place where his tent had been originally, bein Beit El ubeina ai, between Beit El and between ai, el makom hamizbeach hashayasham barishona, um, to the place where his uh, altar had been originally, vayikra shem Avram b'shem Hashem, um, and Avram called out in the name of Hashem. Now, at that point, the Torah continues on, The Torah begins to tell us the story, what we normally think of as the story of Perakud Yimel, the separation of Lot and Abraham, because they both had a lot of stuff, they had a lot of cattle, and there was conflict between them, and they had to separate, and that's the proper story of Perakud Yimel. But the question is, of course, what about the first four Pesukim of Perakud Yimel, the ones I just read, the story of the journey back? What's really the point of that? Well, I would like to suggest that if we look at this carefully, these four psukim are not at all part of the story of the separation of Avram and Lot, but they are in fact the last chapter, the last segment in the story of Avraham's descent to Egypt. And the way we can see this is by paying careful attention to the language. What we're told here in Perikud Gimel is Vaya'al. One, Avram ascends, Vaya'al. And then later on we're told after that uh, in Pasuk Gimel, we find Avram is located in the Negev. And then three, So Avram comes to between Beit El and I. And between Beit El and I, to the place that the Mizbech he made originally, Avram called out the name of Hashem. So what we have here is, let's track this through again. One, Vayaal. Two, um, the mention of traveling uh, through the Negev. And three, the place of Beit El Ai, the place of Mizbech, and calling out B'Shem Hashem. Now, in point of fact, this is uh, the order of events at the very end of the story of Lechacha, beginning in uh, Perak Yud Bet uh, Pasuk Zion. Perak Yud Bet Pasuk Zion, right before the descent of Abraham to Egypt, before the story of the Rab, says as follows. And God Avraham uprooted his tent in the direction of the mountain, from the east of Beit El, so it's that place, Beit El Miyam Ai Mikedem, between Beit El and Ai, Avraham built the Mizbeach Lashem, he called out in the name of Hashem. So we have here what I called before three. Where does Avram originate? Avram originates between Beit El and I with his Mizbeach calling out B'Shem Hashem. Avram travels to the south. This is our two, the traveling and the mention of the Negev. We move on. And then Avram descends. This goes three, two, one. Avram originates in Beit El Ai with Mizbech calling out B'Shem Hashem. Then two. Then he goes down traveling towards the south. And then we find him uh, one. Vayered. Uh, Avram descends. And Avram is in Egypt. How does the story of Avram's sojourn in Egypt end? It ends with the exact reversal. It ends one, two, three. It ends effectively with the creation of a chiastic structure. What are we told? Vayal Avraham One, Avram goes up. Vayal, the reversal of Vayered, the ascent as opposed to descent. 
What are we told? It's to the Negev. And we're told, He travels. And then finally, where does Avram wind up back? Beit El. I. To the place where his tent was originally located, Bain Beit El Bain I, to the very same place, to that very same Mizbeach, Asher Asa Shambarishana, Perikiyimon Pasak Dalad, where he'd been originally, Vayikra Shem Avram B'Shem Hashem. This is a story of return. It's a story of physical return where Avram retraces his steps and comes to the exact same place. It's a story of textual return where the text turns back on itself in the chiastic structure I mapped out before of 3, 2, 1, 1, 2, 3. But this is also a story of spiritual return. Avram comes back to the exact same place he had been before Vayered, before his descent to Egypt, and he calls, he's Vayal, he goes up, and he calls out to God in the exact same way, in the exact same place. I think, for lack of a better term, and because it's appropriate, this is a story of tshuva, tshuva literally meaning return. Our story of Avram's descent to Egypt is not just the story of chet, but unlike Ramban that uses the story of chet, the onish, with the onish coming later on for the descendants of Avram, this is in fact a story of chet v'tshuva, descent and return, chet and return. Avram, somehow or another, from the deepest descent into the darkness of Egypt, the moral descent, the spiritual descent, the theological descent, the lack of sufficient emunah, Avram somehow interprets the situation, understands the situation differently. He's able to raise himself up again. Vaya'al. He retraces his step. He comes back to the exact same place. He's Korei B'Shem Hashem. He calls out in the name of God. To end, often, in reading this part of the Chumash, we ask the question of why is Avram special? Why does God choose Avram? I mean, the Drash, of course, fills in the background for us. Avram is the first monotheist. Others claim, God says, Avram. And the very fact that Avram is willing to go, that's one of the things that's special about Avram. That's why Hashem chooses Avram. What I'd like to argue is that maybe there's a, a third reason, or a third something that's special about Avram. Because Avram here in our story, even when he descends to Egypt, as deep as the descent may be, as deep as the doubts might be, as deep as perhaps the abandonment of his entire mission might be, he is somehow able to make his way back up. He is somehow able to return, to come back between Beit El and I to the same as Be'ach, to call to call up Hashem Hashem, to reverse himself, and that is part of what makes Abraham special.